The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Whether you're looking at buying your first car or your dream car, auto purchases are big investments. But Navy Federal Credit Union makes it simple with their fast and easy auto loan process. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. TNQ Nation, welcome back to another episode. My name is Andrew Brockenbush. I'm your producer and joined by two of the most badass podcast hosts on the planet, Navy SEALs Marcus and Morgan Luttrell. Hey guys, welcome back. What up? All right, brother. How goes? How goes? How goes? Good to be Mar- here. Marcus, I heard you just got back from a little vacay. I did. How was it? Awesome. I saw the pictures, man. I didn't take them. Tell I, yeah. I, I think we, my, we didn't get invited. Oh, you got to post on more on social vacation. media. Oh. Uh-huh. This is, yeah, the end of the summer kind of... Back to school. Back to school deal. That's the cool part about having the, the family dynamic now, wife and kids. I mean, before we travel around with our friends, and you travel around with the military, then each crew is unique and different, and, uh, you know, kind of each mission adventure is different. It's that, a lot of fun, man. I enjoyed it. That place seemed cool. It was. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. I think you described it like Disney for adults. Disney for for a country for like the fish, and and then the, there's a museum there. The natural history there, from wildlife to Native American, is unbelievable. And the scenery, I mean, just the waterfalls and mountains. Driving on a golf cart into a mountain, and there's waterfalls inside the mountain, and then there'll be a bar there, and then yeah, and like a bar, bar, like a bar, bar. <laughs> a lot of everything. I mean, and just the wildlife and scenery is just unbelievable food's great people are great i mean the 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 staff there it's tucked in there in the ozarks on the lake of the ozarks so you can ski Was lady did you see the lady of the ozarks statue uh-uh you did uh-uh it's the third largest statue in the country i must have had it down in washington or something <laughs> <laughs> she must have been laying down sleeping yeah it was hot that day. She might have been in shade. I don't know. I, I didn't see her. Y'all should check this place out. It's called Big Cedar Lodge. Yeah, we're going. Hey, if, you, if you're looking for a vacation to go with the family or like with your friends and family, I recommend this place. They got they got a go-kart track. has NASCAR. Bodies on? Bat, bodies on go-kart. It's got a turbo y'all do it? it? Oh, yeah. I did everything. They got uh, just the, I mean, they got more skeletons. of. They got a, that short-faced bear. It's unbelievable. It's, it's almost impossible to explain. We were there for a few days, man. We still didn't get to see everything, but it is unbelievable, man. It's probably one of the coolest places I've ever been. And, I mean, just oh, oh, for everything. The people, the atmosphere. Yeah, as soon as I saw the pictures, I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go. I took my wife to Conroe. Took, <laughs> Went to Sonic. Today's Patreon question of the day is coming from Ethan, and uh, he asks, what is your favorite TV show? Ooh. Well, I just finished Justified, moving on to Yellowstone. So that's pr- the present ones. I would say favorite TV show of all time. 
Man, those are such tough. something I could rewatch over and over again. Justified was amazing. Oh, so yeah, brother and I burned through them. That's what you do on deployments. You burn through TV shows. Yeah, so deployments, and then I hit a million miles on the plane usually every year. So I and I don't. That's all. I watch those on. And if you if you're looking for a criminal, you can't go wrong with Law and Order or Criminal Minds. Oh, yeah. Shield, the Shield, you Dexter. got Justified. I mean, Justified is the best villain. Dexter, Supernatural, um, Grim, Agents oh, of Shield uh, is is good. The Punisher is good. Just um, Longmire. Ooh, Longmire. Uh, what a good one. Dude, Hannibal is awesome. Pity Dreadful. The strain's good. I also watched the Flash, Green Arrow, and and, and all that. They're 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 good. Well, so what was the question? What TV show or TV series? Favorite TV show, but you know, TV show, Lonesome Dove. Oh yeah, hands down. TV show, would be Lonesome Dove. I grew up not being allowed to watch The Simpsons, and so naturally that became my favorite TV show. They're still running, right? That's the longest running. Since. That's that's great. We I just so we watched that with the kids. Of, yeah. Short of Sesame Street. Short of Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers dead, bro. I know. Sad. There's special about him. Uh, there's a new movie coming out too. It looks. Do you ever watch Bob Ross paint? Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't get through it. I don't either. I get uh, that guy, man. Bob Ross. Let me just put a little happy tree here. A little burnt sienna. Can't make a mistake when you paint. He's a happy tree. He's just a happy tree. He's a little happy tree. And a little brook. Here's that little brook. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Bob Ross paint, just turn it on. YouTube it. Right, yeah. I mean, all this. YouTube it when you're laying in bed. YouTube. Hey, Terry, you had a stressful day. If you need somebody to calm you down, if you need that peaceful moment, you need 20 minutes, man. Right. You're going to be mesmerized by his hair. Just sit on the couch and turn on a Bob Ross. Mine, you know, the the the, uh, the cabin in the meadow. Happy tree. Sunsets. Ocean paintings. A little happy tree. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ethan, for uh, taking us down this rabbit trail. <laughs> Uh, great question. If you want to have your question asked on an episode, uh, join us at patreon.com slash team never quit where you can uh, enter your questions and we might just pick it to put it on the show. Once that fire stick came out, I started, I mean, oh. I went down a trip like uh, Airwolf and Knight Rider and Street Hawk. You found Knight Rider? I mean, Street Hawk? You found Street Hawk? Oh, yeah. There's a compilation of the best Street Hawk. But it's not the whole series on YouTube? Yeah. It's not the whole series. It's like, no, clip. it's kind of, it's hard to find a complete. I, I've yet to find a complete clip on. I've watched every jump the General Lee, Lee did. <laughs> I had 32 Montage. General Lees. What? Uh, 32 cars, I think is what it was. 20, 22 or 32 different General Lees. They just they smashed just that. <laughs> smashed the hell out of them. And if you're, if you're searching for some pure entertainment, if you ever wondered if humans are the exact same in, in different countries, just pull up a, uh, an outtakes video of people overseas making mistakes. It's, it's hilarious, just because they've had a lot of time to think about it. Now, absolutely have to pull up the wooden spoon prank. There okay? go. Oh, that is so funny, man. Do, do the wooden spoon <laughs> prank. But underneath that, they'll have different ones, right? Have you seen the one with the water jug? Nope. I pissed myself. <laughs> I did. I laughed so hard. And so, you got to watch it. Yeah, I mean, literally, find it. It's, 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 um, I think they're like in Portugal or Spain. And instead of using a spoon, it's two guys looking at each other with a, like a, like a sun kissed bottle. Uh-huh. <laughs> the one with his back to the wall. Every time he had dug his dead, oh, yeah, old boy I, comes out with a five gallon water jug <laughs> and just hammers his ass. Oh, oh boy, comes like, it's just not making sense to him, man. He just, they just tell, oh my God. I have seen oh that. Oh my God. That's right. He hits it with that Ozarka, five gallon Ozarka. Yes. Water That's right. I mean, 
He looking at that little ass. He's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> oh, wham! Today we've got a pretty epic guest. We got David Bellavia. Tell me if I'm right here. Only living Iraq Iraqi Iraqi Medal of Honor recipient. Wow. Yeah, he's a good dude. His interview's good. He's got a lot of awesome stuff to say. He's doing a lot of cool stuff for the guys that are still in. And he is. He's out, he's out networking for the Army trying to. I'm glad he, uh, he he's finally got hard. that. I've known him a while. He's a good man. I'm looking forward to getting him on here. It's going to be great. Before we do that, let's jump into some uh, listener stories. Okay, our next story comes from Carl. He said, uh, you're still here for a reason. On a very routine day in August 2005, I was on patrol when I saw one of our local drug dealers walking around talking with people. A few months earlier, he had been released from prison for armed robbery and numerous other offenses. I knew he had recently had another warrant issued for his arrest, so I exited my patrol car and began approaching the group he was talking with, and he immediately began to run. He was 6'5", 230 pounds, and is known to carry a handgun, so I could not blindly just chase after him. I needed to be under control in case he'd spun around and tried to shoot. He eventually got to a fence was trying to get over the top of it when I caught up to him. I grabbed him and pulled him down back to the ground when he eventually got into a fight, and I'm still not exactly sure how, but during our altercation, we both fell and hit the back of our heads on the curb. I was dazed, but luckily so was he. I was on my back, and he was laying across me. I'm not sure how long I had laid there, but all of a sudden a voice came and told me, get up, he may have a gun. I immediately rolled him off of me and handcuffed him. It turns out he was not armed, but had about a dozen bags of crack on him. I looked for my radio to call for my location in, and somehow it was lying about 20 feet away. Soon after, there was a dozen police officers there assisting me. I immediately knew something was wrong with, with my brain, but didn't know what to say. I was hoping I had just gotten dinged. So after I was at the police station getting ready to start the required paperwork, I tried to unlock my locker and kept missing the lock with the key. I had to use two hands to guide the key into the cylinder. Then I was upstairs to start my paperwork and I had realized I couldn't recall anything that had just happened. The final straw was when someone finally noticed my bald head was swollen and bleeding. I realized I had to go to the hospital and that was the last day I worked. The next day I had my first partial seizure and it only got more interesting from there. I shuddered when I talked. I was constantly tired but could not sleep. My short-term memory was non-existent and I developed a really short temper. My neurologist told me it would be about six months before I could start back to work and I needed to look for another career. I told her I've always been a quick healer and I will be back in a few months. Well, the doctor was right and I was way off. I had to quit the police force and the military. I loved being both. It's now 14 years later and while I'm much better, I'm not the person I was prior to my injury. The emotional and psychological strain was much harder for me to overcome than the physical issues. I lost everything. My job, my military career, my wife, which turned out to be good, (laughs) many friends, and it was sometimes hard not to give in to self-pity. But my kids and my newfound faith got me through it. I have three kids who were between eight and two when I was injured. I needed to be a father for them. And because of my faith, I realized I'm here for a reason. I had already cheated death a few times, including narrowly missing being shot. I didn't understand why I was still here and hoped I'm justifying still being alive. So I decided I would volunteer at a group called CASA that helps abuse children. My injury also allowed me to never miss a birthday, holiday, school, or athletic event for my children. I was also a volunteer coach for football, basketball, soccer, and a library volunteer. All of that was only made possible because of my injury. I still haven't fully embraced the new life, but realize I have a lot to be grateful for. That is a a wonderful but terrible story altogether. I 
and when it comes to issues with the brain and it, it's it can, it's amazing how quickly something could be taken away just by hitting the, hitting hitting your head on something and i don't know the severity of carl's injury buddy but i'm happy that your quality of life is increasing and hopefully your symptomatic issues are decreasing and the brain is a very very dynamic piece of machinery and it can it can eventually grow back to baseline but it'll take a very long time and you're at 14 years my advice would be not to not to give in and not to give up the brain it yearns for challenges so challenge it like you're doing never stop learning do you love the TNQ podcast? Make sure you subscribe to get notified about our latest episode each week. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any other podcast player. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests, including Taya Kyle, New York firefighter Jeff Cool, and Eric Weinheimer, the first blind man to summit Mount Everest. Do you want exclusive access to the show and bonus behind-the-scenes content? Then join us at Patreon. Yeah, we've got people like Kyle, Rebecca, so many others who've joined our team. We couldn't do this show without you guys. We appreciate everything you do. If you're not already, join the community. Uh, you get access to all of our guests. You get access to Morgan Marcus. You get some cool swag. You can head over to patreon.com slash teamneverquit to do that. All right, let's get into today's show. We're talking to David Bellavia. He is a, a list of accolades. Uh, a boy from Buffalo, New York, if I'm not mistaken. Joined the Army at a, at a younger age. Moved through the ranks was un- caught in an sh- extraordinary situation where he came out on the other end. Unbelievable. Unbelievable situation. Yeah, um, um, awesome but, and unbelievable and terrifying and all that. In the- eventually uh, was awarded the Civil Star, but then was upgraded to the Medal of Honor. But that, and as amazing as that is, the individual that's behind that medal is even more amazing, not to take anything away from the MOH. But um, what I would like to get out of this, buddy, is so a kid from Buffalo, New York, how did you find your way into the service? I read some interviews about from your classmates and your teachers, and they spoke highly about you. They said you weren't uh, too much of a troublemaker, but like to get into some scrapes every once and again. Yeah, my my old man was a was a dentist for thirty seven years, and really? all he wanted all he wanted was his his four boys to become dentists, you know. And and <laughs> I guess uh, I my, my birthday is the same day as the Marine Corps birthday. And your birthday is three days after our birthday. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah. Scorpios, baby. So, so your dad's a dentist, and you you joined the army and chew Copenhagen, right? Well, let's see. I, I wanted to join. I wanted to join the Marine Corps, and uh, I walked in the recruiting office, and they found out my date of birth, and they were like, "This gunny sergeant asked me if I was worthy of having a birthday the same day as his beloved Marine Corps." And I really thought that this was like a series of of challenge questions, like I'm supposed to show confidence and swagger, and be like, <laughs> "Absolutely, sir." absolutely I'm worthy. And he kicked me out of his office. He said, get the hell out of my office. And so I walked in uh, next door and joined the infantry and the army. And um, my granddad is uh, 99 and he's still with us. He's uh, a Normandy campaign. 
He didn't do uh, D-Day, but he got like uh, D-Day plus like 30. He did the hedgerows. He got a bronze star out of that. And he, he was a – but he would always tell those stories about that time. And it was like this romance about just a bunch of guys hanging out. And he would always tell me that you really can't appreciate, you know, life until, you know, you, you've gone through that crucible of, of combat. And so I, I just looked at that as something – I always wanted to do, but you know, at the time I joined in 99, Kosovo was like the war and that wasn't really a war. And the only thing I learned in Kosovo is that you can burn a DVD of a movie before it's out. <laughs> I was really disappointed and, and my unit was uh, German based. So we were just peacekeepers. And, and when the Afghanistan war kicked off, we were uh, armor. So we weren't going to Afghanistan. Then when Iraq kicked off, we, we missed the fight and we were still in Kosovo. So I figured, you know, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get my war and, and, uh, my generation's all out there hooking and jabbing and we missed out on it, but, uh, you know, we got it. And, uh, I'll tell you, I would have, uh, the, the lessons I went to college, uh, I learned, you know, a lot and, and life's all about education, but there, there is no education like the United States military. And, uh, I, I think it's, it, it made me better. You come from a military background, but when you showed up to boot camp, that was you telling me that you had a hairdryer in your suitcase, right? You're kidding me. No, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that recruiter hooked you up, bro. That's the best story. I I wouldn't even pay attention when he was telling it. When he said that, I looked up, man. I was like, oh, keep going. I got to hear this. I I was told a series of, of, uh, first of all, 11 X-ray. I thought they told me it was extra special infantry. That's right. And it turned out it's just... You're miscellaneous. You can be a quarter guy. You can be whatever the hell we make you. But um, no, they told me it was 15 weeks of basic training. And I just assumed you get your hair, your head shaved, and then they grow your hair back for 15 weeks. And I'm like, I'm a pretty, you know, I get fingernails and my hair grows. I, I mean, so I brought like hair gel and a, and a, and a, um, a hair dryer. And, and they dumped my bag. And they're like, what jackass brought this hairdryer? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, but I totally blamed it on my battle buddy. Was I would awesome. love to see the Diaz face. Man, I showed up with that hairdryer yeah, come out of that damn bag. Suitcase. Uh, yeah, I didn't even have that. I'd have walked home and punched that recruiter right in the mouth. <laughs> have you have you run across your recruiter yet? You know what they dude, this is the craziest thing in the world. So the army tells me I'm going to the White House, I'm going through all this uh, dog and pony show. And they're like, dude, we have a super secret surprise for you, and it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> and I'm thinking it's going to be like a Mustang. You know, like, <laughs> a new car, right? <laughs> Whoa, do they give like Medal of Honor recipients like a brand new Tesla? Like that would be freaking right? awesome. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm trying to be like, oh, it's not a big deal. But secretly, I'm hoping it's like a box of money or <laughs> it's some really cool thing that I'd love. And so I'm waiting. I don't want to like look too desperate and get like a day before the ceremony. They're like, are you ready for your surprise? And I'm trying to like, you know, bite my lip and be all cool. I'm like, sure. Yeah. What's the surprise? No big deal. They're like, we found your recruiter. I'm like, (laughs) so does he have something for me? (laughs) Uh, I love punch that something right in the mouth. Yeah, no, but Sergeant Reyna, who put me in the army is an awesome guy. He he totally uh, you know changed my life for the better, and, and it was really cool to see him. I haven't seen the guy in you know twenty years. Twenty years, right? Yeah, but but he looks great, and he showed up, and he was at the White House, and uh, but that was like the army surprise. And no offense to Sergeant Reina, I was I was kind of hoping for like a 
you know, God PlayStation. Almighty, this should be, you should have that yeah, hair dryer in a shadow box, either for you or for him. We're going to get him one made with his Medal yeah, of Honor. Yeah, we know when your birthday is. It's coming. From hair dryer to Medal of Honor. <laughs> we're going to be yeah, we're engraved from the class of no. It, it's 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 funny though because you you uh, you know they extended basic training now to like twenty two weeks or whatever. But um, you know, it, I always wondered what um, wh- how much when you get out of buds when you when you become a seal and you put that thing on and you go home. There's got to be guys that are like, oh, Latrell thinks he's a badass because he's a seal, right? Like you, you got to go to places where people back that you grew up with look at you differently because for us in basic training we learn enough to get our ass kicked you know like you learn just enough combatives just enough uh uh, but the real skills that you learn you learn in your line unit you know Uh, i I look at these kids on a basic now they're shooting like three thousand rounds before they leave basic training and they're learning like you know combatives and they're learning all these different skills that we never learned as regular uh, infantry guys. Yeah. Do you, you don't really, I mean, you learn enough or, or is it just about putting you through the, the grind? It's a process. I would say, but it's like you, you get more advanced training after you, um, the crucible, you know, buds is just basically the crucible. I would say if you didn't grow up throwing your hands around, you, you will learn just enough in buds and SQT to get your ass kicked when you go back home. We we actually had a really close friend of ours, he, man. When, right before he deployed, after he got out of training, went home. He was a full blood Indian, and he got tested on the reservation, and they they killed him. He got jumped by three yeah, like, or, three or four yeah. guys, and they pulled blades out on him, and he was he was winning. So, but the he he, he was he lived on on the reservation, and by the time life flight got to him and and got him halfway back to the hospital, he, he had uh, he bled out. He bled out. But yeah, to to your point. Yeah, you, we, look, our learn. friends, our, the guys we grew up, we still run around with them. And they, the minute we got home, they, I mean, they, they, we beat on each other just to keep us humble. That's what keeps you humble, right? It is a, a process. So you come out of buds and there's advanced training. And then we usually have MMA fighters that come to the team and teach us how to do all that. And then you learn how to fight with everything. Basically, anything they put in our hand is just an extension of our hands. But I will say, Going through all of that, the day you get your trident, I was going to ask you this, man. So the day I got my trident pinned on, I felt like I had accomplished something. I was like, man, that's, this must what it feels like to accomplish something that you really worked and bled for. I mean, when when uh, the president put that mail around your neck, how'd that feel? It get heavy? It got super heavy. I mean, the first thing was um, I, I was nervous, so I put uh, I, I put a dip in. Yeah. And I guess that while you were on no stage, no, right before, oh. and so the president. <laughs> It was like hey, it was your you moment. Have, they said, "Do you have a tobacco product in your mouth?" And I and I and I was like, "Oh my god! I, I didn't mean to be disrespectful. I didn't mean to." So the whole time, I'm just trying not to swallow that juice. The president and, said uh, that. Yeah, That's... He, they were like, what, "What's in your lip?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my! I I totally I I was just nervous, and I threw it in there, and I was planning to take it out, and um, and th- now I got all this juice building up in my." You know, in my mouth, you and I'm, I'm like a trash can <laughs> for like you know however long that ceremony was. I'm just trying not to. I'm just swallowing. Oh, dude, I gotta watch that again. Then knowing that, so you had a dip in your mouth while he was putting that around your neck. Yeah, and and so I'm making these stupid <laughs> faces. was like, oh, you must be going through a lot of pain. You That's must hardcore. be hardcore. I'm like, no, I'm I'm trying not to swallow a a small dog worth of tobacco juice. <sighs> 
That's amazing. She spit right Good there. Good job. She, she was hanging around it. your neck. She was hung out so much around your neck. You should just reach over and spit before, and then smiled real big for that picture. It was pretty crazy, but no, it, it's, it's super heavy. And the other thing is, you see all these Vietnam guys who, you know, I love the, these Vietnam guys are the coolest thing in the world. They they protected us from the same, you know, crap that they went through themselves, yeah. and they're just really decent human beings, and I love them. And um, it's such a cool thing. I mean. You know, I'm I, I, Colonel Jack Jacobs. I'm in New York City. I meet Colonel Jacobs from Vietnam, Medal of Honor recipient. And he's like, let me teach you how to put this ribbon on. Because they don't give you any block of instruction. They just hand it to you. And, you know, I'm wearing it. I look like a, you know, a, a cowboy on a dude ranch. I don't even know how to. It's like a bowl. I don't even know how to wear it and what to wear it with. And and he's showing me all this cool stuff. He's like, you put it on backwards. You swing it around. And he's like, you know who taught me how to do this? He's like, Audie Murphy taught him how to put his ribbon on. Oh, that's cool, man. When he got his award, it was like 350 recipients and like Doolittle and, you know, Pappy and Boynton and, and all these like legends were around. To Chesty. Teach him. He never yeah, got he got like all these like studs. And, and uh, you know, we, we have a very small group. The nine Navy Crosses though, right? Mm-hmm. Not, he's in what uh, Chesty Puller with his nine Navy Crosses. Yeah. Nine Navy he said group. we're not giving you minimum wage because you don't care about your life. <laughs> is that true yeah, yeah well, my favorite scene is from uh when we were soldiers it's not in the movie it's in the in the end credits when uh when the master chief stand there they're in formation they say something about his uniform being out of regs samuel or uh sam elliott oh chumley chumley plumley 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 and he leaves he comes back naked with just that metal on around his neck yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's in the, really <laughs> yeah oh, I yeah that. he's standing there naked with just that metal on around his neck There's a line in that movie that's my favorite when he says, um, hey, uh, uh, Sergeant Major, where's your uh, rifle? And he's like, by the time I need one, there'll be plenty of them lying around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sir, if I've got to pick up, awesome. pick up a rifle, we're in bad shape. What is he like? He's like, hey, uh, good morning, Sergeant Major. How do you know what kind of damn morning it is? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Did you ever get a chance to meet him before he passed away? I did, actually. He was uh, working at the VA out in Georgia. And um, he was doing a weird thing that I'd never seen. You know, uh, I'm a, a a buffalo guy. I never saw the powder that you put in your uh, oh, snuff? Like snuff, snuff, like real snuff. Yeah. No, it wasn't like coke or anything. It was no, uh, no, no, no. snuff. My gra- no, our great our grandma, great grandmama, Levi Garrett, snuff. I mean, it's powder. <laughs> she called it. Was he, it he num had, num or something like that? Yeah, it's right. he had this whole thing going, and um, uh, and the other thing was was Hal Moore was super old. Um, at the time and, and, but these guys were still wearing their Stetsons and they had their swagger and, uh, yeah, man, those guys were, were legends. They really were. Yeah, no doubt. But Hey, the path you're on now is going to, I mean, hopefully you're having a good time with this. I know it's going to get heavy, man. And, but that's okay. I mean, you, you kind of earn that. It's, uh, it's all about battle rhythm too. You know, the deal, bro, when we started in this, you and I started this together and we just kind of went out and now we're back around and. So the pl- so the premise behind the Never Quit podcast, as you know, buddy, is a Never Quit story. Honestly, buddy, if your story, uh, how you got the medal, if you want to share that with us, or if there's something else 
like I forget who we were chatting with and, and their story it was like really oh actually oh it was um it was Spencer Stone, the kid that was on the train in Paris. Oh yeah. Yeah, so everything happened to him, but they come to find out a year or two later he gets jumped by a gang and stabbed like seven times in a parking lot outside of a bar. <laughs> yeah, that's cr- I remember reading about that at the time. God, was- man. So we chatted about that. So for you, hey buddy, if if whatever you feel comfortable sharing with us, man, um, let's just jump into. Um, sure. I mean, honestly, my um, my uh, I-, I thought about this, you know, when when you guys uh, uh, contacted me, and and um, you know, the the thing, it's really not an army story at all. I I, uh, I was super close with my dad. My dad was, you know, my best friend, and. Uh, just love that guy. Every single day we talk on the phone and, um, I lost him uh, a year ago to, uh, to cancer. Sorry, buddy. Oh, well, Hey, I appreciate that. He was a good man, but, but watching him, watching him slip away was, um, one of the toughest things I've had to do in my life. You know, we're, I, I think we're accustomed to, um, you know, guys who, who, uh, you know, young guys who, who lose their lives it's, it's a violent death it's sudden it, it's premature um but in combat you, you just become numb to it um i think there's a sense too when we're in the military that you know with the tempo that we had with iraq and afghanistan you're not really hanging out with a lot of guys that are still in if you get out it, it it's it's totally normal that you're not going to see someone for absolutely five years. yep right so, so so there's really no finality in death um you know, you don't get to go to the memorial service because you're still deployed when, when you lose them. And you don't really you're not surrounded by the reality of 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 death and watching someone that you love go and just watching his strength. You know, I mean, this guy had a ton of faith. He believed in God um, and he knew the end was near. And, you know, it, it just he showed just so much valor and and, uh, you know, it was it was a really crazy thing because it, it was like you know you, you've got someone who you go to with every problem he always had an answer even if it was the wrong answer it was an answer you know that's um, what daddies do <laughs> yeah and and uh supposed and, to do. and it was yeah right no and it, it was just it was crazy to me because i don't really think i don't think you're a man until you acknowledge that you don't have a father anymore i think that's really when you can have 85 children. Um, you can go through 10 tours. Uh, but the moment you acknowledge, wow, there's I don't have a father. This is it for me. That's the day that you become a man. Some people go through that when they're young. Some people go through it when they're in their 40s. But um, that was uh, the day I, I woke up and I was just like, wow, there, I got I to gotta come up with these answers. I got to come up with, you know, uh, all, all of this stuff. And it, there, there's a moment where you think to yourself, you know, um, it, it's, it's not, uh, it's not easy. And, and then, you know, the, the phone call from the president came and, and it was just like, you know, he would have, he would have just gotten, he would have loved this. It would, it would have been really cool. I think we all, you know, live to make that father figure in our life proud of us, you know, and, sure, and uh, yeah, so that was, that was a, but, and the other thing too was, I got to see a never quit moment with my dad. It was just unbelievable. Uh, the pain and everything else he went through. And he's like, listen, man, I believe in God. This is what's going to happen. It was like, he was going on vacation. You know, it was like, I'll see you around, you know, when I get back, uh, type of thing. And it was just the, the, 
it was one of the, the bravest things I've ever seen in my life. Pretty cool. You know, it, it's funny. Peer pressure makes you smoke cigarettes when you're like 11. And peer pressure can also, you know, make you charge a machine gun nest in, on the normal beach. It, it all really depends on who your peers are. If you're lucky enough to be surrounded by really outstanding young men and women, it's really not hard to do the right thing, you know. It, and and so uh, every my sergeant major was the first guy killed in Fallujah, uh, Stephen Falkenberg, and he was such an old man. And now I look at my age and I'm actually like his age. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how Came that out happened, fast, yeah. right? Yeah, but but it's just he just had that look, man. He's been to every armpit, every butthole in the world. He deployed everywhere. He'd been, uh, he knew everything. He was the wisest of us. He he was the most tactically proficient. He was a command sergeant major. Um, you know, I, I, he never showed me anything other than tough love. I never had a moment with him uh, that that I thought, man, this guy really cares about me. Um, I, I would have thought my first name was. What the fuck? You right. know? Yeah. So hey, sad. you. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. You. But uh, but when when he went down and uh, uh, that that was just like you know that's your senior guy and um, that was crazy. And then we lost our company commander right after that. We lost our XO in our company after that. Wait, I, what year was that, bud? That was two thousand four. You lost the CO and the sergeant major. In the same deployment? Same battle. It was Fallujah. It was like a day after. So we lost our SAR major on, at the breach. Uh, and then we lost our XO uh, in the in the company. And then the company commander died the next day in, uh, in house fighting. And so it, it was like these young lieutenants were now, you know, graduating up, taking over companies, um, you know, NCOs rising up and, and doing their thing. But you look around and you're just like, you know, there's you don't obviously you've been through this uh, too many times, um, but you can't really you know you can't mourn on the battlefield, and you no, want to just turn it into something. You want to focus it into rage. You want to focus it into you know I'm going to kill every dude who who hurt these guys, and um, but at the same time you know you you got to keep your discipline and everything else. But th those are moments where you you want to you know it's so e that voice is in your head every five minutes, whether it's a ten mile run or whatever it is, but the voice is like, quit, you know, just stop. Everyone's stopping. It's not a big deal. Falkenberg would bend our dog tags if we got out of a run. Would, <laughs> our sergeant major would take our dog tags and bend them, fold them into one and be like, go get new ones, you loser. You know, we don't drop out of runs in, in this unit. I thought about that, you know, like he, he would just ride us until uh, we got the job done. But you know, having the chance to, to meet those Gold Star families and bring them to Washington, D.C. with me, you know, I, it was a really heavy burden for them to do. They did it for me, and uh, they represented their, their husbands. For a guy who's, who's, who's been through so much and seen so much, and you're really tied into, unfortunately, to a lot of loss and, and grieving families. For our listeners out there, how, how do you cope with that, bud? I mean, I, that's got to be, not only do you have that, juggernaut of a weight hanging around your neck but you're you're in it around you can't get away you probably don't have the opportunity to escape the, the the worst of it which is the grieving families and you have to grieve yourself what what can what advice can you hand out to those that are listening in on how to how to cope
I think there's a mindset that, um, you know, we, we have all these cliches about, you know, uh, time heals everything and that it, it's just a matter of moving on. Um, but what I realized is because the loss in combat is so catastrophic and it's so unnatural that really there is no closure for these families. They, they, they literally uh, go through that every single day. Every single day they're – sorry about that. Every single day they're uh, experiencing that loss and um, – and uh remember the remember I, the cell phone from Big Lebowski? <laughs> phone ringing, dude. Dude, dude, your phone's ringing. <laughs> they're they're going through this every single day, and and it, it's um any reminder of that time period, any reminder of of um of, of the military, it, it brings them right back into that vortex. And so you know the the, the idea is you know whether you, the politics of the war or what the reasons why we went to war. Every single person that died over there, they really died for another soldier because they could have – I could have been on that patrol. I could have been through that doorway. I could have been on that helicopter. Um, and and when, you, when you boil it down to that blood sacrifice for someone uh, that you loved or you knew or you didn't know, it becomes personal. And so I take that loss as a as a personal loss, and and my guard is constantly up to, you know, we not only have to live for ourselves and our families, but we have to live to remind people who Stephen Falkenberg, Sean Sims, Ed Iwan, you know, J.C. Madison, who these guys were, because you know you could put their name on a wall, you could you can you know dedicate a school to them in a post office, but unless you acknowledge how they died and why they died. You're really just cheapening that blood um, because these guys weren't, you know, they didn't drop of heart attacks. They didn't get killed by some random, you know, misfortune, some some bad luck. They voluntarily chose to stand up where the bullets were coming and they voluntarily said, I'll do this for you. And uh, that's a heavy thing, man. And and it it uh, I just I just want the families to know that. If the roles were reversed, their sons would be talking to my mom and their sons would be talking to my kids. And uh, it's tough, but at the same time, it, it's it's our obligation to do for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. That's why, I mean, with us, it's it's a reverence, right? You speak with a reverence with those. When one of one of our guys die, man, we, we mourn from the time they go down till we put them in the ground. And then from that moment on, you, you take what was great about them, right? And, and everything that they lived for. So when you're talking about, and that's how their memory stays alive. And that's how you keep them alive is because in order to live, you're going to have to die. So you can choose the way you want to go out or you go out living your life out, right? And then it's kind of one of those deals where it's, yeah, it's, it is, man. It's sad and, the, and, and we miss them. But the, the family, the honor that comes with the fact that in the capacity in which we created this country and we keep it together. We have to, people have to live in it and die in it. And you take that and that's, that's the honor that we have to be with each other. Cause you know, it's like, Hey, I wasn't born with this guy, man, but my boys died with them. They died together, which makes us family, right? They live together and they die together. So that's what we have to do. And that's, that's how this whole thing keeps working. It's a sacrifice we make for each other. And Mojo and I were talking about it the other day, man, during Memorial Day, you find some a veteran and throw a party in their name and, and celebrate. Yeah, start passing that word around. That's what we start we're gonna start doing, Dave. Is every Memorial Day we're gonna we're gonna pick a vet. Doesn't doesn't matter the service, doesn't matter somebody passed away, and we're gonna literally have banner with his name or her name on it. 
and have a party for that individual and try our best to get in touch with the families. Like, hey, look, we're partying for whomever. We, we remember your sacrifice. How great an idea is that, right? You know what I mean? People might freak out when you interchange the word memorialize with celebrate, but that's exactly what it is. It's a day of Thanksgiving. It's a day to say that America still makes people. Well, who put the definition are- on memorialize as, as, as bad? To memorialize somebody is to, cel- is to celebrate it, isn't it? No, but I'm just saying, but, but when you think civilians get all messed up. Well, I know that's because of us. And if we're were, doing it, and, then and they'll they, do it. And they also like, you know, they, they thank you for your service on Memorial Day. And it's like, you got the wrong, wrong you know, dude. holiday. <laughs> wrong dude. <laughs> but, but that is exactly what we should be doing. Because, uh, again, you know, this idea that, you know, uh, that the, the wall in Vietnam, you know, you look at all these names and you get almost you're numbed by it. Yeah. It all blends into each other and it it, it doesn't there's not a, a personal story. And uh, when you make it personal, you're forcing, you know, civilians to confront the fact that, you know, th- there are people out there still in this fight. They don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And here's the promise. If you give us, you know, your time, if you give us your sons and daughters, we're going to treat them like they're our sons and daughters. And um, God forbid, if, if we're not able to, to deliver them home to you, uh, we are going to carry them in our hearts for the rest of our lives, even the ones we never met. Not only that, we're going to build a memorial to them to immortalize them. So when you walk past it and you look at it, so you look at their sacrifice it. was so great that we celebrate them as greatness. And, and you can't even understand that when you put it into words. But literally, man, that guy went over, and that girl went over there and they actually died defending whatever it is we're doing right now. That's pretty heavy. You know what I mean? It's 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 very heavy. And the thing, too, is that it, it's, uh, you know, it, it kind of shows you a little bit of, um, you know, there were times when, uh, you know, Vietnam and, and, you know, when you look at the Korean War generation, nobody knew where Korea was. Right. Uh, th- th- these A lot of these guys were, were guys who fought in World War Two, and that was – you know, a ticker tape parade award, and everyone, if you, it, war, and if you didn't go to war in World War II, you were a pariah. Something was wrong with you. Right. Um, and, and we just kind of, I think the other thing that, that the global war on terror is teaching us is that the old wars where you sign a declaration on the Missouri, th- those are dead as disco. Yeah, ain't nobody to surrender us. <laughs> we have to be in the mindset that the next battle we start or the next fight we finish. It's going to be a 50-year fight, um, and that you know, if, if Truman would have told the American people, "Hey, wh- what does victory over Japan look like?" and they're like, "Oh, you know, Okinawa for the next 90 years," people would have been like, "What? You yeah. know, I don't want that. I don't want a footprint in Germany for for 150 years." Uh, but that's just the way it is, and just because we move on doesn't mean we forget those those men and women. And any way we can do that to celebrate their life, to celebrate their sacrifice. And show people that uh, we're changed because of it. You know, sure. well that lets you know how great our country is. It's a melting pot of everybody. That's why we're always at war with somebody. Because I mean, it's we have we have people integrated from all walks of life. And not only that, we've come over here and and built this empire. And we don't necessarily have this kind of in that situation where we don't have we haven't had to defend it yet. We actually go out and fight for other people, which makes our soldiers even more great is because they're 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 going over and helping somebody else 
defend their their country and have the rights that that we have over here after world war ii in korea right that's kind of what it turned into man we just went over and our, our boys sign up because man they'll go fight for somebody because right. we're made up of everybody that's where like, we're on drugs we're on on what whatever in each individual place it's, let's bring this back to center we were talking blood guts and gore and depressive stuff so let's up uh, all right hey dave we're gonna we're gonna move on to what's next for you i understand are you hey, are you running in 2020 again you gonna run it? No, 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 uh, I'm not. Oh, I'm, you uh, quitter! So I ran for Congress in the past, and uh, everyone is now like, "Hey, now that you got this award, now's the perfect time." And my whole thing is, is that I, I don't, uh, you know, look, you didn't vote for me in 2012. The only difference is I got this thing right. So I don't feel it's appropriate to take an award and say, "Oh, by the way." Uh, this is why, you know, I should be a, a better representative for you. Um, I think that, you know, we we take these things that that our, our military gives us and uh, we, we do we give back to the military. And my whole thing is, is uh, I want to put people in, in the army. I want to put people in the Navy and the Marine Corps and and, and just go around and, and remind folks that. Uh, America is still the shining city on the hill. And oh, by the way, if you mess with us we're still going to lay it flat. Um, don't, don't one second judge us by what you're seeing on CNN and Fox news. Uh, they talk about division. They talk about how we're separate. Everyone's tribal in America. Well, there's one big tribe that'll mess your face up and that's the United States military. Um, you know, and I'm super proud of it. So I don't, I don't want to exploit, uh, this award and I, and I don't want to use it to, um, you know, to, to push my own ambition. I want to... Well, you know, all right, kinda, so oh, as a second. voter... Uh, check this out. So <laughs> as a con- I'm not a constituent, but I'm a voter, and I'm somebody from the outside looking in. I respect what you just said, but I honestly and truthfully believe that uh, you wouldn't have to campaign on that medal. I know the individual, or I've researched the individual that, by the way, he was sitting in the audience when you gave your Hall of Heroes speech, which was, I don't know, I'm, I'm praying that you wrote that, which I'm sure you did. It yeah. was very well read, very well articulated, and very well received. I received that speech from, from a cabinet member who was extremely impressed. With your past run in the past, looking forward in the future, and Marcus and I agree on this, is that we need individuals who understand the dynamic of the of not only just the human persona, but the American public. Okay, your, your rite of passage forged in fire is what we need leading the country. And this is just Morgan's opinion, okay? Um, I think you would be, and I'm not going to say, I'm going to be stingy and greedy and say, I honestly believe you need to do this because it would be a disservice to just to be me. I'll be selfish, and all your other, all the other folks that you know and love and live around, and in your in your district, honestly, truly believe that you would do them a justice and a a a, a great service in that seat. Moreover, you didn't take that medal; you earned it, and it's the difference between. And I, I don't. The comparison is this: you didn't take that medal and then go decide to run for office. You've already run for office without it. And when you had the silver star and then the medal of honor, it's kind of like an upgrade from an associates to a degree in the eyes of the American people. I mean, it's just what it is. Right. And it's earning that. And then walking in what you're doing is 
there's no what's that line from the range 15 movies like man guys like that are the reason i didn't get in the military and guys like, guys like that are the reason i did so you can take it either way that you want it but that that's like just that, our two cents you have to you have to wear that medal and it's it's ultimate service you're gonna be wearing it anyways and who not only do the people who are going into the military look to people like you, people who are just overall voting and our, our, our senators and our congressmen stamping around with that. What I mean, the percentage of people who served in the military uh, up there right now is pretty. It's minimal. Minimal, right? I mean, it's in they're, they're, the past few I mean, election cycles, we've you got had guys in there up, been but... in Congress for twenty years, worth over a hundred million dollars. I don't know how that happens, man. But I, well, especially because they went to Congress with thirty thousand dollars. In the that's name. my point. Yeah, no, it's crazy. So you but, already did but, the service to in the military. You went over. You came back. The only regret I would have saying this to you is that I worked in the swamp for a little bit, and it is it is a sad state of affairs. If you find your way there, I applaud it. If but I would never tell you to do it if that makes sense. Yeah, but if you whatsoever. get guys like that going in, eventually it's just like building a team back up and. In chaos, or if it's it's like a hurricane. We had Jacob on the other day. Sure, Jacob Woods. Something, something, something happens to um, to guys like us. I think when uh, and not all of us, but some 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 guys go out there and and you you know read your headlines and, and you start to think, wow, you know, uh, th- this is part of the trajectory of service. And and all I'm saying is is that you know some people were meant to run with the football and some people were meant to block. And there's nothing wrong. With blocking. Oh no, uh, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. That's you doing about- that to yourself, man. We're we're <laughs> trying I'm to saying, tell you. I'm, I'm all about opening the door so that you know twenty other guys just like us can can go through it. And and I'm I'm saying right now that when when you look at the number one need, you know, I mean, look, we can crap on the VA all day. I like I do that all the time. <laughs> but there are honorable men and women that are at the VA. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's I usually bureaucracy. crap on so, the hey, leadership. Hey, you know where the you know where the problem with the VA is? It's not the people who work there; it's the people who over them. The one we're telling you to go in and fix the the government servants. You're yes, I worked at the highest levels in parallel with the VA out of the Department of Energy. And ask me how many of them were veterans? Zero, not one. I mean, you know how efficient the military runs. That's if it was if the VA was running like the military. Look, you get your ass in the medical and dental, and you get out. Right, they they make sure you go there. If it if that's how you know that there's a there's a gap somewhere, because if it was run like if by the military, then there, it wouldn't be a problem. No, I I, I'm, uh, I I also believe though that the the big chasm that we're seeing right now is that we're we're not able to uh, the the quality we're, we're seeing so many kids right now, you know, obesity and uh, the, the 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 prior issues that they get into. And they're totally DQ'd from from this opportunity, and um, I just I just don't see enough folks that are willing to go into inner cities in America and say, look, there's a pathway out, and um, you, it's 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 going to be it's going to make your family better, it's going to make yourself better, uh, and we're seeing results. You know, um, the other thing too is that this this idea that somehow you know we're going to go to Washington and 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 fix something where we we've got to stay to our true north and my my politics you know I, i'm a i'm a conservative and and i see the world the way i see it but i gotta be honest with you i don't i remember serving with liberals i remember serving with a bunch of other guys that we disagreed and we didn't see the world the same way but we got our stuff done 
And and we all and most of them we don't even that. know that. Most we spend our whole lives not even knowing that. I mean, what that what that even meant? That, we I don't even we never talked about that kind of stuff. It didn't even matter. And even if they in conversation they talked about this, we talked about the same stuff. We just didn't label it because it was just there. That's how they thought, and we man we got along famously. That's very true. That's very true. And and uh, but but the thing is that you know there's still I I still believe that a vet who disagrees with me we can work together. There's a common respect. There's oh, yeah. a, Hey, we don't, let's, let's find, let's split the baby here. Well, you know, let, let's, let's talk like men. Let's, let's talk like peers and with, with honor and respect there. And if that's not a common denominator, then you're going to end up, you know, blasting your head against a wall because it's just, it's so frustrating to be able to, to work with people that just don't have a true North. They don't have, they, you know, and again, why are they there? Well, they're there to better themselves or they're there to ride Congress until they get to the Senate and then try to play it up to something else. And I, I just think that service, whether it's, you know, in politics or it's in the military, there's nothing more pure than just serving. That That's a bedrock of what our country was founded on. And not enough people are looking at the military, you know, screw college. I, I mean, honestly, all the problems, by the way, I can go to four major problems in our country right now. The, the military solves all of them. You want to be a citizen? Guess what? You know, get a bad hair, go to basic. You you you, uh, you want to pay off your debt? You want universal health care? We got you covered. No, I know. You know. That's the great part about it. And that's one of the things we don't talk about in the military is like literally – if you want to have your college go to free college, you can just sign up for four years and they'll do that. If you want medical and dental, you sign up and they'll do. It's all right. It is. It's all right there. It works. It's it all works right well. There. Every every society that people are, you know, putting knit hats on and throwing Antifa masks on and cracking windows, all of those problems are solved in the military. And if you're like, well, I want to do something that's, you know, with computers or I want to be cyber. What do you? What do you? This is the military. We've right. got everything. You started this whole thing by saying, you know, we have our own accountants, our own nurses, our own dentists, our own, you know, that's the infrastructure of the military. But but again, the message isn't out there because everyone has a preconceived notion of the type of people that join the military, that we're all, you know, some saber rattling, you know, yahoos that are out there just trying to, you know, hurt someone. Uh, oh, we'll, we we'll we have me. those, and those, I mean, and you see those guys because that's what they do. They want you to see them, right? But other than that, we have literally everything. Who, if you want to be a, a cyber hacker, who would you want to just? Why wouldn't you work for the one people that can let you hack anything you want, right? They pay you to go in it, uh, right? <laughs> you end up with a, a, a suburban up front your house and says, hey, I'm either going to buy you a steak dinner or I'm going to put you in prison for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's the choice. But here in the military, you know, I, I talk to a lot of uh, uh, liberals and a lot of progressives, and, and they always talk about, you know, the problems with the world. We've been fighting bullies since 1775. You know, that's that's what we have been doing as a military and um, I love this, and and I, and I really feel like it's making a difference. And uh, if that if that comes up down the road, you know, I'll cross that bridge. But and the other thing too is that you know the situation out in Buffalo is you know we got a congressman who's in a little hot water. Uh huh. And uh, you know I, I just it, it's a it's real touchy on on all sides. It looks like a bunch of people are going to jump into a primary and. Um, it just gets, it, it's so, that whole, you know, I look at uh, AOC, I mean, she won her primary with like 15%, you 
you know, it's not like she got a, a huge plurality of the vote. Um, that, that's what happens in those primaries. And, and you spend every two years raising money and running for office. And what do you want to get done? What are you what are you trying to get done? What I'm trying to do right now is I want teachers in the in the United States to be combat veterans. I want to start initiatives where we take drill sergeants and combat vets and we put them in inner city schools. In fact, we're raising a fund, a private fund, where we will supplement any combat veteran $500 a month for their entire career just to teach young people. Because I'm telling you right now, when it comes to school violence, if you put a, a Navy SEAL teaching earth science in Columbine, that shooting stops in the hallway. If you want people that are being uh, taken advantage of in a school, you put a drill sergeant in charge of math and there will be no bullying in that classroom. You will have discipline, but more importantly, you will see that those kids are going to see themselves in those veterans. Uh, they're from the same neighborhoods. They look the same. You know, uh, they have the same background. And now we're telling people, you want to go to Vassar College and get a degree in basket weaving and get $70,000 in debt? Or do you want to control your own destiny? So to me, I think the future is having veterans as PhDs. You're not supposed to have a doctorate as a vet. You're supposed to be drinking beer and collecting a pension. The mindset is our service is one aspect of our life. What we do, we get out. That's what changes the world. And uh, I want to be a part of the the vets. Yeah, so we join up and our our and we throw that uniform on and our our country, you know, d um, does that to teach us. So when we come back, we we pay it back, right? We that's what we give back to our community. And literally, the difference between being a criminal and being courageous is is the uniform, right? I mean, it's we we sign up and, and they take all those skills and assets that we have that that either could have been debilitating or, or good for us and and push it in a positive direction, man. But David, man, I, we got to wrap this up, bro. I, I sit here and listen to you all day. Could, if you could just tell us how people can follow you and find you and uh, what you got coming up, that would be great. You know, I'm just going to every, uh, if your son or daughter's in basic training, I'll probably be at that graduation and uh, ROTC and, and everything else. Uh, I'm just running around with the Army. Uh, I don't do the social media thing because, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just focused on this right now. Yep. So, uh yeah, you can go to dutyfirst.com. It's duty1st.com. That's our, our website. And we're, we're just trying to get out there and talk to as many young people as possible and get out to schools and remind people that uh, there are still good guys out there and uh, they're all in the military. Nice. I remember when we were doing the Vets for Freedom tour, we stopped by those schools. Yeah. I enjoyed, Absolutely. I, yeah, I enjoyed that, man. And, and you're right. They listened a little differently when we walked in. Yeah. All right, brother, man. Hey, good job on that. On your metal, I, I know it's heavy, but you, you're a you're the man that can carry it. So keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we love you. God bless you, man. Pass the best to the family. Great meeting you, brother. Finally, I, I love you too, Marcus, and uh, I'm super proud of what you've been doing, what you continue to do, Morgan. I have a ton of respect for you, man. Uh, thank you for your service, but more importantly, thank you for doing what you're doing now. That's that's huge. Thanks, that, bro. That that's a game changer. When we can start taking over those roles uh, as veterans, man. Yeah, we, we, we can do whatever we want. So God bless you guys. God bless your families. All right, brother. Hey, brother. Out it's good to see David jumping back in, helping out the Army, doing recruiting and stuff. He's absolutely got to do that, especially everything that he's been through. Oh, yeah. Great role model.
Yeah, he is, man. He's got the he's got the the wit and the personality. To, he hits a nail on the head when <laughs> whenever time you see a good recruiting video, you see a wounded warrior video at, play after the fact. Oh yeah, he's paying attention now. That's good. Could have talked to that guy for hours. There was so much fun to just chat about. He is. He's got. He's got. Man, he's full of. Them. He's got a lot of great stories. He was. I enjoyed our. Uh, we were doing that Vest for Freedom tour. We were on the bus together, and he. He. I, I love to sit and listen to him talk. David's just one of many incredible guests we've had on this show, and we couldn't. We couldn't get these guests back each week if it wasn't for you guys. And so, if you want to be notified when we drop a new episode, you got to make sure you head over to whatever your favorite podcast player is. For example, on Apple Podcasts, there's going to be a big purple button that says subscribe. That's the quickest way to be notified. Uh, you can do that pretty much on any platform. Spotify, I know you can do the same thing. You'll get notified every time we drop a new episode so you can know exactly what we've got going on in the briefing room. And today's episode, Ignite a New Fire in You. If there's one thing that I've learned, it's that sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass, and your story could be the one thing that changes their life forever. Take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, you know we keep our followers up to date with new swag, sales, guests, events, tons of other stuff you're not going to get anywhere else. If you're not following us yet, you're missing out. Follow us right now at team underscore never quit. You can keep up with all that Marcus has got going on at Marcus Latrell. All that Morgan's got going on at Mojo Latrell, and you can keep up with the every so often post I make at Andrew Brockenbush. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. We love you guys. Thank you so much. We're out. <laughs>